Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. We left off having established in one sentence that there are many lessons at the cross. Right? Remember that? The death of Jesus was for the forgiveness of sins. But on top of that, the scriptures capitalize on that to show us a lot of lessons. Right? In forgiveness, in handling one another, in uh, loving one another, in laying down our lives one for another, 1 John 3 and 16. Right? So we looked at that took time to establish that. And we have said over the course of this series that his physical body was broken for us so that we might become his body and not break it. That's important in this series because you see God in the person of Jesus did not give us his body to break. Did not give us his body to break. He broke it. He broke it. That we might not break it. Amen? Amen. His body was broken that we might not break it. I also then mentioned on Sunday that we must learn to not perceive the church the way the world perceives the church. Now it's interesting because the majority of the perception of the church, of the church, is from the world's definition of the church. It's from the world's definition of the church. The church has started to see herself the way the world sees her. And the world has never seen the church rightly. Ever. John 1 and 10. He didn't perceive Jesus rightly. He was in the world, talking of Jesus, at this point referred to as the word. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world that was made through him did not know him. Can you imagine raising a dog that will not respect you? will bite you if he had the chance, bark at you and not for fun. A dog that is aggressive towards you, but you literally delivered the dog as a puppy from its mother's womb. He was in the world. He made the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. TPT, John 1.10. He entered into the very world he created. Yet the world was unaware. The very world he created and the world was unaware. The message, 1 and 10. He was in the world. The world was there through him and yet the world didn't even notice. The world didn't notice him. This is what leads to verse 11. Because the world didn't notice his own people Verse 11. The world doesn't perceive him. His own people. TPT. He came to the very people he created. To those who should have recognized him. But they did not receive him. 1 John 3 and 1. You see how that also applies to the church. 
First John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Now we know this line, but we see the next line in the same verse says, Therefore the world does not know us, because, as we saw in John 1, did not know him. <laughs> Are you already receiving instruction? He came to the world he created. They didn't know him. They were not aware. They didn't recognize him. And he told them that they would do to you the very same things they did to me. And then we see in 1 John 3, we see good news and we see an instruction. Behold, now are we the children of God. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God in the same verse. Therefore, the world does not know us. Because they did not know him. The son of God came. They did not know him. Son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should become sons of God. You too, they will not know you. Because the world cannot perceive sons of God. And by world, it includes people who identify as Christians without the revelation of Christ Jesus. They are even the most dangerous people when it comes to perceiving Christ. That's why Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 3 that till today, even when the Moses they believe in is read, a veil is over their eyes. That's why Jesus will say of the religious people in John 5, he said on that day, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, that on, the, on that day, it's not even me that will accuse you. It's Moses in whom you trust, referring to the law. He says Moses will accuse you or the law will accuse you because Moses wrote of me. And so I've told you guys in this house over and over that if somebody handles the Old Testament properly, yes. it's only, no, 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 it's only Christ he will see. Yes. Seeing Christ is one thing. Yes. But if you handle the Old Testament properly, it is only Christ you will see. If you walk away from the Old Testament and all you remember are stories of David and Goliath, Esther, Naomi, and Ophrah. Isaac and Jacob, and Esau, and Ishmael, and Gideon. You know, they're very nice, cute stories you can hear at night. And then as soon as you, as soon as you hear the, the story, you quickly choose which character you belong to. Yeah. Oh, me, I'm Esther. I'm, I'm, I'm Ruth. Nobody is ever going to want to be Naomi. Nobody is ever going to want to think of that mediator who arranged for the new covenant to enter the old one by redemption. Yes, sir. Oh, Naomi. Oh, widow. Nah, I don't want to be Naomi. I want to be, I want to be Ruth. But if you handle the Old, Test- old Testament, yes. Old Testament, yes, handle it properly, Holy Christ will see why? Because Moses wrote of Jesus. That's why he will come in Hebrews and say that it was necessary for the things, the copies of the things on earth to be purified with blood according to the order of the things in heaven. It's Bible study now, no? 
For where there's a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since he has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of cows and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the verses of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So what was on the earth? Copies of the things in the heavens. And therefore needed blood to purify them. But the things in heaven, this blood that has purified the things on earth cannot purify the things in heaven. So the things in heaven could only be purified with a better sacrifice than blood. Selah. So what were the things in the tabernacle of Moses? Copies of the things in heaven. Tokens. Symbols. Shadows. So it's absolutely pointless now for somebody to erect the full dimension of the Ark of Covenant and put it in a studio and say, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a linen effort. Now call and give me your prayer point and give an offering, I'm before the Ark of the Covenant. It's even a weaker copy than the Old Testament had. Because the Old Testament copies at least had blood purifying them. I'm at the Ark of Covenant. I'm going to pray for you. You are? You are in the copy. I am... What does Hebrews say? Therefore, having boldness, boldness... to come boldly before the holiest. Yes, sir. That's what Hebrew says. Yes, sir. Having con- gone through the veil, that is his flesh. Yes. We have gone through his flesh. We are in the holiest. Oh, yes. We are in the holiest so much that the holiest moved into us. But no, we should come to you to use Ark of Covenant. Which is a poor copy of an ineffectual copy. Because even the copy itself could not do anything. The copy could do nothing. So even Christians who have no revelation of Jesus are part of the world, sir. (laughs) And that's why they with all their studying, cannot discern songs. He came to the world he created. They didn't perceive him. He became a son. He made you son. They used to know you until you became a son. 
They understood you until you became a son. You guys talked alike until you became a son. You rolled alike until you became a son. You smoked alike until they became a son. You slept with each other alike until you became a son. And all of a sudden, you become this enigma that nobody can explain anymore because you became like your elder brother. Listen, the worst thing to do as a believer is to believe and expect to retain your validation. Believe and expect to retain your popularity. You believe on the Lord Jesus, you didn't lose any friend. No, sir. Mm. You will go flat out. And for most of us, our struggle is not believing. Believing is not our struggle. Our struggle is refusing to no longer be discerned according to the flesh. That's our struggle. You don't have a problem believing. But like Nicodemus, can we be doing it at night? And when he's dead, you want to believe and retain cool. You want to stay, you have the same friends for 20 years. No, you have not taken a stand for what you believe. See, I was a popular guy. Very impopular. But I've shut doors and not looked back. Shut doors and never looked back. You cannot take a stand for this light and not lose not some things. Everything. Because listen to me. Look at me. The world will not start perceiving you rightly until they take back everything they gave you. They will take you back. Haven't you seen somebody who was in, in morning rituals or whatever? He gets born again, you know, becomes a believer, you know, gives his life to Christ, and everything just goes. If he stays back, it will trouble you. You can't be a believer and want to retain your, your validation, your, your, your social status. Don't not offend your friends. Don't, don't talk about this thing so deeply. And you'll be with your friend, and your friend will tell you, keep quiet. I don't want to hear this. Let's just drink together. I don't want to hear this. Let's just have sex together. They they are invalidating your conviction but taking advantage of what you have. How can somebody not be interested in some of you and only want other parts of you? How? Let's just let's just let's just hang. Let's just let's just do. Uh, We don't have to agree, but we can be all right. And you tell me, hey, Jesus ate with sinners. He didn't become one. Yes. He ate with prostitutes. He didn't patronize one. Yes. He was a tax collector. He didn't collect tax from anybody. In fact, he even paid tax. Yes. Even when there was no money. He said, go and catch a fish. Open its mouth. Find a coin. Pay tax for you and me. It was in that context he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Doesn't mean that you can be in the world and the church. And give the world their own. Give Jesus his own. Pay to Caesar. The way people twist scriptures. Context was clear. So be careful what you are protecting on account of your conviction. 
Be careful who you're protecting. Careful. Careful what you're not, you're trying to not let go of. You're trying to not lose. You love the Lord, you're in church on fire. But when you go home, the people that come to see you are a different bunch of people. We open your phone and see your child history. It's a different bunch of people discussing different things in a different language. That's why people struggle and speak and they cannot avoid cussing. You try your best to avoid using the F word, but it will come because somehow in your everyday conversation, you use it. So every now and then, boop, it's there. Because you changed your conviction, you didn't change your allegiances. <laughs> didn't change your allegiances. So the world perceives the church wrongly, the way they perceive the Lord wrongly. It's not strange though, isn't it? Because it's Paul that says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. Carnal mind cannot perceive the things of the spirit. Because they're foolishness to him. Spiritual things are only spiritually discerned. And if the world doesn't have the spirit of God, then of course they cannot discern sons of God. Same thing happens to Jesus. So the, the perception or the discerning of the Lord's body lies or is the responsibility of the body. So you can't allow the word define you. We must define ourselves. We must establish what our identity is. And in doing that is the manifestation of the Lord's body that we are discerning. By discerning. So we must define ourselves and in doing that redefine how the word sees us. We must. If we're not, you know how I showed you on Sunday, Jesus was praying. He says that when they are one, the world will know that you sent me. And I said, there's a level of conviction that has not hit the world yet because the church hasn't become so mad. So it's up to us to define ourselves. Are we, are we one? Can they see that we are one? Can they see that if you touch one, you touch all of us? All of us. I don't understand why a secret society will be more effective than the church of Jesus. By the time we are church, secret societies should envy us. They don't know what it means to be a cult. Check the dictionary meaning of cult. A people that have one agenda bound by one purpose. So the word cult is not intrinsically a bad word a bad thing it's not why would people leave university they're in civil service they're in the military they're in politics they're flying planes and they're still united yes and the church is the most disjointed organ ever ever even one small local church cannot be together enough to say, touch my brother, I'm going to kill you. Touch my pastor, your head will roll. Yes. Sir, you're talking about your pastor too much. Sir, pick your pastor, I'm going to talk about them. Pick your pastor. Is it my problem that you don't have a pastor? Or that your pastor is not the kind of pastor you want him to be? Change pastor or change church or be a pastor. Or look away. Even a local church cannot be completely together. What do you think made great fear 
fall upon the people in the days of Acts. Great fear came upon the people because you look at the you look at the oneness of these people when they gather. You see the fact that you can't touch anyone. People are selling land and bringing to church and says pay people's school fees. Yeah, the world looks out and like, no man, you know what? You see, you better be really convicted before you join these guys. That's those, those are the conversations that were going on in the world in the days of the early church. Like you guys, you better be sure you have counted the cost before you. You, you, you better be sure because these guys, they are all in on nothing. All in on nothing. That's why Ananias and Sapphira tried to blend and try to form like they belonged, even though they didn't really belong. Because you know, before Ananias and Sapphira, they had called a couple of people who had done stuff. Among them, Barnabas, who is called the son of consolation because he sold his land and gave church. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. From Cyprus, he says. Barnabas, who was from Cyprus? Therefore, was he called the son of consolation? Next one, Ananias and Sapphira says, Ah, see Barnabas. Hey, console. We mm. too. Let's do this. But not quite by doing it. Let's just do it enough to make it look like we did. But not like we are quite doing. So that we too can call us sons of encouragement. Wonder couple. They backfired woefully. Because they didn't descend the Lord's body. He looked at them and said, these guys. What a force. Great fear is all. That fear. All. Reverend all for the church. People looked at the church and know that you can't, you can't do that. People should be able to ask, you, you are in what a body house? No, 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 take your results and go. Take your results. Oh. You are past people. Take your, take, take your results. We don't want your trouble. Just take your just, 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 just go, please. Sorry. And that's the church the Lord is building. I've said it over and over in this place. Over and over. That we rise up and say something will become the force that galvanizes the entire gospel community. I didn't say Christian community. The whole gospel community right now in this city alone. You must set the narrative straight. That they may know. So called secret society, it doesn't begin to start to define the level of unity and togetherness that the church should walk in. Somebody will get up and go, there's no benefit. I'm going to church. There's no point. There's no gain there. There's there's, there's no togetherness there. Everything has failed me. Let's go to church. Not people checking out of church or denomination to look for soccer and solace and family outside. It's an indictment on the church. Indictment on the church. These things ought not to be so. You must discern the Lord's body. This is why many are sick. This is why many sleep. You getting it? This is why many are sick. My abundance ends at your lack. Yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. I've said it all the time. If you're the only one in a church, every time you want to do a project, mm. you're the only one, that, you're, you are very poor. Yes. You're the poorest in church. Yes. 
Oh, don't worry, pastor, I'll give the 10 million. Because if you combine the rest of the church, 1 million they cannot raise. You with your 10 million are the poorest member of the church. Oh, I'm sorry your previous bishop made you an elder or deacon gave you award. Put you on your, your mantelpiece. Mm. The poorest member of church. Because my abundance ends where your lack begins. And vice versa. And vice versa. That's the body. If we discern it correctly. That is why many are sick. And many sleep. We're not discerning. I don't understand how a church will. Reduce the volume of its unity because the world is complaining. There's, there's some things I don't understand and I will never understand. The world is upset. So we reduce the volume of the love and unity of the church. So it doesn't upset people that are out there that say we to do. We have not even started to do but when you're canvassing for votes, you would go everywhere, enter, every, knock every door, take pictures, do whatever it takes to prop up somebody who is just going to employ another translation of stealing. But the moment the church props up any one of ours, he says, ah, what is it? Now you jump your own local church, jump your denomination. And enter another one over which you have no jurisdiction. In your own church, there's a limit to your jurisdiction. How much less in other local assemblies? We don't come to your local church and tell you how to do your thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why your local church is yours. Yes, sir. And ours is ours. Yes, sir. And one sm- small swipe from opposition, we soft pedal. Try me not, let me not post the gay law. They will now say, yeah, ah, you have posted again. You have come again. You and this your church. You and this your pastor. That's all that Jesus is telling the father. Me and this my brother. Me and this my sister. My blood for this my brother. My blood for this my sister. Day and night. At the right hand of the father. Propping us up. Making a boast of us as the trophies of his victory. Yes. Before the father. That's intercession. Intercession is not Jesus begging the father to not kill you. Is he making a boast of you as the spoil of his victory? Are you here? You say, where are you? You have come again. No, I have not even come. I don't understand it. That the world will intimidate the church. The world intimidate the church. Nobody hollers at you for playing, being a viewing center from morning till night or sitting at a games arcade with a, with, a, with, a, with a controller in your hand for six hours. You are in church two hours. People are making noise. Yes, sir. Three hours, four hours, you're making noise. But you can stay and argue over draft, argue over chess, argue over PS3, and you're there for hours. Somebody chooses to go 
where his family members are gathered. The church is the most superior relationship platform in the world. Most superior. The church of Jesus Christ that he planted. I've told you over and over and over and over and over that people say, oh, your church, your family is your first ministry. I said, that's nonsense. Say, show me from scripture. You don't see that. And so because the world is upset, let's reduce it. Because other local assemblies are concerned. Let's, let's, let's pipe low. Uh-uh, you people are meeting every day. Sir, you have seven days. Choose anyone. It's not, it's not meeting. You meet morning, 7 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 p.m., 3 p.m., 40 days all night. Nobody's complaining. Until we announce the gospel. See, we'll be louder. There's something about this gospel that troubles them. For me, that's my determination. Why is it that it's this one that disturbs you? All night on Sunday, after Sunday service that ended at 3 o'clock. I don't know how how they used to sleep. When you announce 40 days program, they will disturb you. 90 days, 21 days, we didn't disturb you. 6 a.m. prayer, we didn't disturb you. We didn't come and tell you, see, you know, you see, the way that church is done. Is that this 90 days is not, we didn't, we didn't do that to you. And so I've always said about you being careful not to make concessions for people who are not willing to make any concession for you. Don't do that. You can't be the one who is bending over backwards all the time and compromising your conviction. We must discern the Lord's body. And and we'll talk about those people in a bit. This is why many sick and many are asleep. I told you that there was a flow of the teachings of Jesus on the night he was betrayed. I showed you some of them. Let's highlight them again, starting from John 13. John 13, 1 and 2. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, having loved his own who were in the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let me see how the TPT puts this verse. Jesus knew that the night before the Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now, he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Again, context not being forgiveness of sin. From about a go. I've loved these guys, but now I long even more to show them all the more love in the last few hours I have on the earth. This is the context surrounding Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover. Go down to verse... So same setting, right? Go all the way to verse 15. Um, Go from 12, after he washed their feet, yeah? Because this is what leads to feet washing. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? 
again, he washed them with water. And didn't say he washed their sins. Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. See verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do. Can you see that? Same sitting. TPT, verse 15. Wow. So if I'm your teacher and Lord 14 and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Again, this is metaphorically speaking or, or rather allegorically speaking. Please stay on the, on the text for me. Now do for each other what I've just done for you. Go right down, same conversation. Go right down to verse 34. Um, 31 for context sake. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. After Judas Iscariot had gone out. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will see me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and I say, he goes in verse 34, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you, what? As I have loved you, that you also, new commandment. Master, what is the, old, the most important commandment in the, in the scriptures? Oh yeah, love the Lord thy God, all the heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like the first, love your neighbor as thyself. Jesus taking out two commandments from Exodus in the law and answering their question. Now he's dying. He's telling them, I'm giving you a new one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love each other. Love each other. Love the Lord thy God. You know what? New, new, when you asked me what was the most important commandment, I picked it from that one and I told you. I picked the other one and said it's like the first and I told you. But now that I'm dying, I'm in a hurry, 13 verse 1, to show you love, 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 love. So now I'm giving you a brand new commandment. Love each other. See how I've loved you. Have you seen how I've been loving you? Love each other. So, so if you want to break it down and I ask you what is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus otherwise known as grace what does it equal to? because what was the new commandment he gave? love one another as I have loved you so there's no salvation, there is no sonship, there's no church relationship in the absence of agape. Yes, sir. It's not. Forget church, forget worship, forget all we are doing. If we cannot give preference to another, of all men most miserable. This is why somebody can leave church and go and slap somebody. A husband or a wife. A boyfriend or a girlfriend. 
The love of God is not shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We're not descending the Lord's body. Get out, get out from here, my friend. And you are, you are willing to fight someone and wound the Lord's body just because it's not your physical body. If there's no love, isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13? I'm a loud sounding symbol, clanging symbol. If I have not love, if I give my body to be burned. And what was the context of that? Love among the body. Because he says to them at the end of chapter 12, now, you have all the spiritual gifts, healings, miracles, says, but now, I will show you a more excellent way. I will show you a more, more excellent than charisma. A brother who walks in perfect love occupies more weight in the spirit than somebody who prophesies in a thousand tongues. That's what you're saying in chapter 13. That's what he means when he says, though I have the tongues of men and angels and yet have not love because you can have charisma. You can have charisma. You can have prophecy. Come for edify. Pray. Charge the place. And you have not love. And such a person is not discerning the Lord's body. You come and charge the place and speak. The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. Charisma. No love. The Holy Spirit is not just good enough for speaking through you. Uh, it's not just for speaking through you. It's for working in you. And it says, though I give my body to be burned, and I have not love. Now this is coming from chapter 11. I told you 1 Corinthians is a full letter. So the context of love in 13 is the context of interbrotherly love. One with another. That's what he was showing them in 34. A new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. 13 and 34. That you also love one another. Now see 35. By this, all will know that you are my students, that you sat under me, Mathetes, that you received instruction from me. Not that you attended my church for three years. Not that you followed me when I went across the sea and I, I crossed Lake Tiberias and to, to, to Decapolis and Genazareth. No, no. By this will they know that you are my students if you have love. Yes, sir. You want to prove your commitment to Jesus? Love one another. You want to show that God has a hold on you? See, one of the stupidest things a Christian can do is to be trying to love God at the expense of your brother. See, God did not call you to love him. Religion will have you believe otherwise. But God is all sufficient. Nothing of yours adds to him, least of all, your love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love. What does he do for God? God now feels like, ooh, she loves me. 
<laughs> he loves me. He does nothing for God. God did not come to do anything for you on account of what he expected you would do in return for him. Nothing God did was contingent on how you will pay him back. Nothing. Nothing. So now I've loved you, I've come in. Have you come in now? Oh, yeah, now let's love. No, you were sustained by his love for you. How do you show gratitude to God's love? By loving your brother. By loving your sister. John 15. Same sitting, same conversation. John 15. Nine. Nine to like 14. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain full in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus could speak some things though. This is my commandment. See that again? That you? This is not Moses' commandment. Yes, sir. Don't miss it. Yes, sir. Don't miss it. This is him systematically retiring and replacing the Old Testament <laughs> with the New Testament. This is my don't miss it. Commandment. It's, it's, forget everything else. What I'm teaching you now yes, is singular. Sir. Yes, sir. Love. Yes, sir. We have been so fixated on forgiveness of sin. Yes, sir. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So all along, all the things he was doing. What was he showing them? An example, An example. of love. Yes. Or how to love. Not how to love God, ever. Because, it, I mean, Jesus enjoyed the love of the Father. He loved the Father. If anybody should have taught us how to love God, it should have been Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Let's continue. Twelve, that you love one another as I have loved you. Thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life. See what John quotes in 1 John 3, 16? Because he was there when Jesus was saying this. He wrote this. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. 14. 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. 17. These things I command you. Emphatic. It's not something you get to put on and off at will. It's the one thing, the one thing Jesus told you to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One thing he commanded you to do. Same city. All through. If you have your Bible open in front of you, you see it's one thing. Right through to chapter 17. Takes us back to the prayer I read. 
17, 11 through 11, I'll just pick 11. He says, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them through your name, keep through your name, rather, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. And then 22, and 23, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So all through this Passover on Feast of Unliving Bread teaching of Jesus, in one night, from verses, from chapters 12, Right through to 13, 14, 15. I, I literally just picked a few yes, to show you the train of thought. Would you conclude that by the bread and wine and all of that, he was talking about the forgiveness of sins? In one word, what was he talking about? For one another. My body broken for you. Don't break it. Back to our text, 1 Corinthians 11. Are we, are we making progress? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four. 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body. And I don't want to go into, again, pedantics. Some of you might have it in your Bibles. But a lot of New Testament manuscripts... A lot of New Testament, reputable New Testament manuscripts omit the word eat. <laughs> Let me know when you understand the significance. Who has seen anything in the Bible? It's, it's, a, it's in italics, which means it was added by translators. In your Bible, it is not there. In your Bible, it is not there. Who else? Sorry? John has eat. Is it in italics? In italics. What have you learned about that? When you see a scripture, a word in italics was not there originally, it was added by translators because they thought it might help it make more sense. Problem is, these guys go into this superimposing their understanding on what they think a text should say. So if you check the original language, you will just see he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this. And because they heard do this, they added eat. But in the original language, you don't have eat there. And a lot of repeatable manuscripts omit, they don't add it. But again, pedantics. <laughs> Nothing serious. <laughs> That's how I study, I pay attention. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The word remembrance is what anamnesis. Some of you have heard it before. Anamnesis. Spelled just as it is pronounced. Anamnesis. Sounds like somebody's Igbo name. Anam. Anamnesis. <laughs> anamnesis. 
Now, phonetically, it is actually pronounced anemesis. Yeah, anemesis. Just like antilempsis is phonetically pronounced antilepsis. The M is silent in the Greek. So it's spelled anamnesis, but it's pronounced anamnesis in the Greek. And it means to bring to mind. To bring to mind. To deliberately recollect. Deliberately recollect. And, and recollect as is done to better appreciate the effect or intended result of what happened. I'll read it again. To bring to mind, to deliberately recollect, and that is done to better appreciate the intended results of what happened. It also means, anemesis also means the active or self-prompted recollection as a memorial. Active self-prompted recollection, especially as a memorial. So it's to bring to mind, to deliberately recollect, which is done to better appreciate the effect or the intended results of what happened. So not just remind you, but remind you with emphasis on why what happened happened. Does that make sense? It's just reminding you of an incident, but reminding you of an incident with the intention that it brings the desired results. You know, that you remember that, not just, oh, I remember what happened. You remember why it happened. And that when you remember why it happened, it has the intended effect on you. So each time you recollect this thing, it has, it does the job of awakening in you the reason for which that thing happened. Does that make sense? So when Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 11, do this in remembrance of me, it's the same connotation as in John 13 for feet washing. When he says, do this in remembrance of me. As I've done this to you, do to one another. But again, you see that you cannot just take feet washing alone. And make a doctrine out of something that first of all happened only once. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And happened to enforce a truth that Jesus was introducing. Yes, which was more far-reaching and more significant than the physical washing of feet. Yes, sir. Right now, my feet are not dirty. You go and wash my feet now. You ain't doing nothing to me. You might as well massage one another's feet. Just sit and just have a massage service. Just take the leg. I would love it, actually. So do this was not referring to the physical act, but to what the act brings into attention or what the act brings into focus. Intended result. A nemesis. Do you understand? It's not do this as in this, 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 this. No, it is when I'm shaking this, I'm causing something to happen. It's the thing I'm causing to happen, I'm telling you to do. Not to come at me shaking fan because I shook a fan. Mm. Does that make sense now? Yes, and I may this. So what is the lesson I was teaching you by breaking the bread and the wine? Unity. Yes, love. Yes, togetherness. Yes, Be one. 
which is what I have always been telling you. And most especially as soon as I saw that my time to die was come, John 13, 1. Let me wrap up this whole love thing as quickly as I can. Let me hammer on this opportunity and hammer on this message of love using every single ingredient necessary. Feet washing, you know, serving one another, the bread and the cup, all the, let me just use everything that is happening now. Because my emphasis, John 13, 1, is to show you this love thing before I'm gone. Are you getting this? So when I say Jesus took advantage, you understand it now. He knew the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. And all through his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Now, now being in this city, in this setting, this Passover, this Feast of Unleavened Bread is beyond Passover, is beyond Feast of Unleavened Bread, is about showing you the far-reaching deep measure of my love for you because I know that this, this, this night is my last night. Anything I have to tell you, using any means, I have to do it now. Now. Whatever it would take for you to understand this concept of loving one another, this new commandment I'm giving you, let's do it now. All of you, sit down. Give me your leg. Give me your leg. Yes, sir. How can you wash my... You see, if I don't wash you, if I don't serve you, I explain that to you. Yes, I don't minister to you. You have no part of me. Ah, okay. Wash me, bath me. It was crunch time for Jesus. Let's do this now. Have you, have you understood this? You get it. Which of you here knows what this means? Because you asked them. And they knew what it meant. And it did not mean you arrive at your august house and his servant washed your feet. They knew what feet washing was traditionally. They did not attach that meaning to when Jesus washed their feet. They knew that in our Jewish custom, feet washing is when I have traveled from Gethsemane to Bethany. And then as I reach the guy's house, because he's a wealthy guy, because only wealthy guys can have servants. As I reach there, his servants are waiting outside to wash my dirty feet in sandals. Then I can go into the house. Every Jew knew that. Jesus washed their feet and asked them, do you understand what I just did? And they did not say yes. You just did what everybody does. What we do in our house. I mean we all do this thing. So what is so special about this? But because he had been teaching and saying a particular thing. Once he did this. And he said do you know what I just did? He said aha. Yes. We see what you are showing us. Okay now. Do it. Not not do what I did. But she, she asked you. Do you understand what I I just did. And you said, yes, you did understand. This is 7. John 13, 7. John 13, 7. Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But as, I, as soon as I finish doing it, you don't understand. After this, what is this? What he was about to do? You don't understand. But when I, as I finish doing it now, after this, you'll understand. Then, you shall wash my feet. If you don't wash my feet, you have no part of me. Go all the way to, after Jesus washing their feet, go to verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, this was the after this. Taking his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? 
Of course they know. Duh. It's not, it's not fit to wash. Why? What, what we do all the time. This is standard Jewish washing of feet. This is what the water pots in John 2 were there for. Go there. John 2 6. Is, scripture, is, is it coming together for you? John 5, whatever he says to you, do it. Mary told the disciples. Now 6. Look at this carefully. There were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Stay here. Give me TPT. Six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for Jewish washing rituals. The message, verse 6. Six stone water pots were there used by the Jews for ritual washings. NLT. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. The Amplified. Six stone water pots sat there for the Jewish custom of purification. Ceremonial washing. It is water pots containing water for washing of leg that Jesus turned to wine. It was from these water pots or similar that he drew water to wash their feet. So washing of feet was not strange to a Jew. Because it's their tradition, their rituals. So you can we asking a Jew, do you know what I just did? You know what the, at obvious level, yes. But there's more than that. So when they caught the significance behind what he did, taking advantage of a ritual they were accustomed to, then he says to them, do this, not the washing, but the intended result, anamesis of the washing. Let it bring to mind the lesson I've just taught you now. Do this to one another. Because feet washing does not spread love. But anamesis do this, not the feet washing, but what I have used it to teach you. That do. That do. Are you here? And when you do that, you proclaim the Lord's death. The Lord's death as in what? I told you, the sacrifice of his physical body to make us a body. Amen? So the church is one body. That's what he was teaching. Love. Simply put. By all means necessary. Seeing as I was going to die. My last night with you, whatever you have not caught about this love issue, everything that's going to happen tonight, I will capitalize on it to teach it to you. I keep saying to you guys, this is why you cannot just take one scripture, one text in isolation and form a mindset from it. It's dangerous. So we discern the Lord's body. How do we start to discern the Lord's body? First of all, by establishing that the body is one. By establishing, can we all say there is only one church? Say it again, there's only one church. That's right. There's only one body. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Romans 12, 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually 
members of one another. We get that? This has a twofold application. It applies to the universal church of Jesus Christ. And it applies to the or that church in local settings or the local church. Does that make sense? Let's see also 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. I like how Paul actually puts that in his opening greeting to the Corinthian church. Before he starts to blast them for division. To the church of God which is at Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. I deliberately skipped the next one. Now we consider it. With all who in every place. Call on the name of Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Not your personal. Now I'm addressing the saints. At Corinth. That local church in Corinth. But I also know. That the wider body of Christ. Will read this letter. So together with. Others in every place who name the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. By our, I mean, yeah. So, I, before you think I will stand and say something. How can he say? It's not our personal savior. It's not. It's not your personal savior. Our Lord and personal. It's not our personal. I'm not saying personal about this. It's all our savior, our savior. Put it back up in the TPT, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. There's one body. Look at this. In writing you this letter, addressed to the community of God, community of God throughout the city of Corinth. For you have been made pure, set apart in the anointed one, Jesus, and God has invited you to be his devoted and holy people, and not only you, but everyone everywhere. Who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Let's see the message. I haven't seen it before, but let's see the message. I send this letter to you in God's church at Corinth. Christians cleaned up Hagios by Jesus and set apart for a God-filled life. I including my greeting. All who call out to Jesus, wherever they live, he's their master. NLT. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus. See, I, 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 I have a problem with people that just wake up. And because they think they have sense, want to twist scripture to say what it doesn't say. What part of this gives you the right to colonize the Savior? All his letters is referring to him as our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Lord and Savior. One church. Why do you think he was saying in Ephesians 4, one Lord, one faith. One baptism. One. First Corinthians 12. We were there a few days ago. First Corinthians 12. I need just the one verse 27. Just one body. One body. One body. One church. One Lord. Now you are the body of Christ. And members individually. This is in the context of the local church. 
Now, because the waters I'm going into now are a little bit deep, but I hope I've done enough groundwork for you to appreciate it. The context here is the context of the local church, given all that Paul is dealing with in his Corinthian letter. But he knows, or he knew rather, at the time he was writing, that other churches would read this letter. Like the letter he wrote to the Galatians. He told them to read it to the church in Laodicea. And he said he also told them the one that he wrote to the Laodicean church, which we don't have, for that to be also read in the churches in Galatia. So Paul always anticipated that his letters will interpolate among the churches. That's how he starts his letter and saying to the Corinthian, I'm writing to the Corinthian church. I'm dealing with issues you guys have. But I'm also writing along with every other church. Named by the name of the Jesus Christ that we all share. That's why I can take lessons from Corinth and teach the church in Okorabo. Does that make sense? You can take from the church in Corinth and take those lessons and apply them to the church in Okorabo because Paul factored the church in Okorabo when he was addressing the church in Corinth. Make sense? But when when he moves on from there, he begins to deal with localized issues. Issues happening in that particular local church in Corinth. Now, is that, in that context, it says that you are together, the body of Christ. Together, among you. Different members. But the same body. Pay attention to this very carefully. Now, in the wider body of Christ, the universal body of Christ, the Catholic body of Christ. The word Catholic actually means universal. from means root word. The word Catholic, when the Apostles' Creed, when they use the word I believe in the Catholic Church. They're referring to, I believe, in the universal church. Does that make sense? So whenever we use the word here, we use the word as it was intended. By original meaning. Okay? Now, in the wider body of Christ, there are two strands. Two strands. Two strands of the faith. In the wide body of Christ, there is the strand of the faith of the believers of the church that are weak in faith. And there's the strand of believers of the church that are strong in faith in the white body. Two strands of believers. Believers. Two strands of the church of Jesus. One strand weak in faith. Second strand strong in faith. Unfortunately, these two strands of believers are almost often found even in the local church. Just as the wider body, the Catholic body, has people who are, or dimensions who are weak in the faith, and others who are strong in the faith, the local church also has believers who are weak in faith, and believers who are strong in faith. I'm taking time to establish this because the next segment we're dealing with is crucial. There is people that have championed unity in the body wrongly. I'm about to explain that. Unity in the body. Hear me carefully. It's not that what abiding house is a teaching church. And this other people is a praying church. So uh, and this church, their strength is raising people in the marketplace. Marketplace dominance. And this other people, their strength is prophetic. So you see, we have to interchange. We, you supply us some prophetic. We also contract to you some anointing to raise people in the marketplace. After all, we are different members 
one body. That is a lie. Oh, in our church, ah, we don't teach you. We major on prayer. We major on works. So, um, oh, in our church, we are a holiness church. Which church is not a holiness church? Which church is not holy? Oh, we, we are a deliverance church. Excuse me. How can every day, every program, every billboard is a deliverance case, witchcraft case, identifying witchcraft, and that's all you are about? That is a malnourished, quashokorized church. What's that? So, unity of the local church is not that God subcontracted some elements of him to some other churches and then subcontracted other elements. And then you now hear this nonsense, stupid, unfounded doctrine. Now, there's no church that has it all. Hear me carefully. Any church that does not have it all is not the church of Jesus Christ. Any church that does not have it all was not planted by Jesus. We, we are a healing ministry. We don't believe in plenty singing or teaching. We, are, we believe in raw power. Which power has been cooked? Which power did they fry? There's a grilled power. Or parboiled power. So when we say unity of the body, we're not saying unity in the sense that all what abiding house is, is a leg. And there's only one leg. Oh. You now need the other guys to give you another leg. You know. The scripture doesn't teach that. Unity is not defined by the absence of gifts in individual churches. Such that it's until they come together that they are together. No. Each local church was giving the combination of grace gifts. It requires to function fully. What makes a church a local church is that it has a combination of all the grace gifts required for it to function as a complete and sound whole. If a local church needs to import a prophet, it's not complete. It's just a branch of something. You need to import a teacher because in this church we don't have a teacher. This is a problem. First Corinthians 12. Because you know, we, we, we interpret scripture wrongly. And then we read our own bias into it. We're in 27. I just read that. Now you are the body of Christ. He's talking to the Corinthian church. You, Corinthian church. When Paul was saying in... Go back to chapter 3. From verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions, schisma, among you. But that you be perfectly joined together. This is referring to one church. One local church. One local church. Are you here? One local church. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren. Who is you, my brethren? The Corinthian church. By those of Chloe's household. Or the church that met in Chloe's house. Among the Corinthian church. That there are contentions among you, the Corinthian church. Now I say this. That each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or 
I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, I thank God I baptized none of you except Christmas and Gaius, lest anyone should say I baptized in my own name. Yes. Oh, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I don't know whether I baptized any other. In other words, why people fighting about Paul and Apollos when I didn't even baptize anybody? You, you get the drift. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Then he starts to say, let your glory be in God, you know, and sectarianism is carnal from verse 3. So, verse 3, chapter 3, from verse 1. Same, same context. Just follow. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. See how he explains what carnality means in the Corinthian church. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like men? He then goes on to explain what striving is here. Verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Five, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed and the Lord gave to each one. I planted in Corinth. Apollos watered in Corinth. God gave the increase in Corinth. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Does that make sense? So which church is he referring to directly? The Corinthian church. Are you here? Come to chapter 12. 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. He's still dealing with what he started his letter with. Hence talking about loving each other, uniting with one another. That's what Jesus showed you in his body. That's what Jesus showed you in his blood on the day that he was betrayed. I'm trying to show you. He's dealing with one thing from chapter 1. This was what led to his letter. Divisions in the body. Along doctrinal lines, along in Corinthian church, along the lines of food given to idols, along the lines of covering hair, along the lines of, okay, we can sleep with prostitutes because the grace of God has covered us. Along the lines of, we, we have a Paul, we have Apollos. Along the lines of, ah, there's no resurrection or resurrection has even come. And divisions in the Corinthian church. In the Corinthian church. He gets to 27, he's telling them still the same thing. You are God's body, oh, it's one body. First Corinthians 27, and you are members individually. Now see 28, and God appointed these in the church, this church. In this, your Corinthian church, the people are fighting, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas. In this church, God appointed apostles. In this church, he appointed prophets. In this church, he appointed teachers. In this church, he appointed miracles. In this church, he appointed gifts of healing, antilepsies, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. 29. Are you all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Next verse. But honestly, desire the best gifts. Are you seeing the context? Yes, sir. In the in church, the church. In the local church. By, by second Corinthians, he's not telling them. By the time he's getting to giving, he said, now, now you, you see, you guys, you have all these gifts. You, you have all these things. You have all this grace. You, you lack one. You lack giving. So as you are bound in these other gifts, abound because the Corinthian church abounded in all the charismatic gifts, all the utterance gifts. 
Word of knowledge, utterance. Word of wisdom, utterance. Word of prophecy, utterance. Healing, charismatic. Tongues, charismatic. Do you understand what I'm saying? Charisma and utterance gifts. In the local church. The local church had it all. In fact, Corinth's problem was that they had too much of everything. You guys are prophesying. Nobody wants to wait for the other person to finish prophesying. Even women are prophesying. The people are not going, ah, should women prophesy? If they're prophesying, should they cover their hair or open their hair? Or open their hair. I, I thought their hair was given to them for, for, for a covering. But then how do you differentiate them between them and those that are going to the prostitutes in the same church? Yes. They had all the gifts in the church. And he starts by saying in verse 28, and God has set these in the church. God set these in the church. First apostles, because we came first. We blaze this trail. Apostolos. Prophetic, whose job is to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort for the revelation of Christ Jesus. The spirit of whom is, is the word of testimony. And he names all these things in the church. So one church cannot be said to be a church if all he has is prophetic. If all he has is healing. So and so healing ministry. Bread and wine deliverance church international. The local church is complete, should be complete. I was teaching in a pastor's conference and I said there's no place in the Bible where any church was planted on one gift. There's no place in scripture where church was, we, we planted a church. Paul just got there, healed, 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 enter temple, church start. I said if you have prophetic, praise God. I said me, I told him. I say me, I operate in what you call prophetic, exactly word of knowledge. I operate in word of knowledge easy. I told him standing at me, he was standing, he challenged me. I said, I operate in word of knowledge easy. But if you are not a teacher, go and learn the word to teach your people or raise identified teachers among your church and let them teach your church. Go and learn the word so you can teach or identify teachers and let them find expression. Can't say we're a prophetic church. That's nonsense. Prophetic church. A deliverance church. A prayer house. Pray all you want. The revelation of Jesus will not hit you. Pray all you want. So do not be swayed by the deceit. That unity of the church is that one church is just like this. Another church is like this. So we now have to combine all the churches. You know. To now become a whole. Have you understand what I'm saying? Now? Yes, now, having understood that, next point I'm about to make will make sense. This is what then defines those two strands of the church. Those weak in faith, those strong in faith. Those weak in faith, which are not a functioning body, somehow, of believers, are those who are undertaught in a particular area of their realities in Christ. So really, a church that says we are a prophetic church is weak in faith. They may be believers because they believed in whatever, they gave their life to Christ. And they were maybe honest about it. Just, just what I'm saying? They didn't give their life to Muhammad. Yeah? And in, in their estimation, giving their life to Christ was honestly them being converted. Honest, and they're honest about it. The things they used to do, they do them no more. You know, that kind of thing. But because all they are exposed to is prophetic, they are weak in faith. Faith in this context not being salvation, but being what? Doctrine. 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 Do
sound teaching. Yes, sir. You get it? Yes, sir. So when you come and you walk in the liberty for which Christ has set you free, and somebody looks at you and goes, ah, you're doing that. Ah, no, no, you're not, you're not carnal. They will call you an unbeliever. You will call them a brother who is weak in faith. They will look at you, look at your hair that is so blue, and look at your anklet or something, if you have one you're wearing, and they'll say, nah, this one cannot be shy of God. And you look at them and smile, and because you know there are brothers who are weak in faith. Because there's a level of doctrine that they have not been introduced to. Doesn't make them unbelievers. It just makes them shaky believers. It opens your heart up to love and sympathy and compassion and a zeal to reach the lost. You will never be able to keep your mouth shut anymore. Because you realize, ah, he doesn't know. Most people arguing for the law don't know it. The law itself that they are arguing for. If they knew it, they would not even touch Christianity with a 10-foot pole. If you know the law you are arguing for. Oh, God did not come to abolish the law. He came to... If a man meets a lady and rapes her, he will go to her father and pay 50 shekels for her and he shall take her and she shall become his wife. If you raped a woman and she was in the field where she screamed and nobody heard, you shall pay a price for her and she shall be free of you except if she shall choose to be your wife. If however you raped her in the city where if she shouted somebody would have heard, you shall take her unto thee and she shall become your wife and you shall not put her away all the days of your life. Go and keep it. That's one out of 613. 613 minus the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not wear two different kinds of fabric upon your body. I am the Lord. It's in the law. It's in your Bible. Thou shalt not plant two different types of crops on your field. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not shave your hair or trim your beard. I am the Lord. If a woman come upon a menstrual period, she shall be unclean seven days and stay away from the church. If she sits on a chair, it is unclean till nightfall. She touches somebody, the person must bathe with water and shall be unclean. Even after bathing, you shall still be unclean till nightfall. The bed she lies upon shall be unclean. The taxi in our day you enter. Imagine how many people are unclean they don't even know. Even right now. They don't know. Turn to your neighbor and hold and hug your brother. Ah, uncleanliness. Now imagine how many yards of uncleanliness you have collected. If you knew the law, you wouldn't advocate to keep it. And then if you break one, Deuteronomy says, James argues, he that breaks one is guilty of all. So you don't get C6 in law. B2. D. 623, break one, you broke all. Are you here? Romans 14 and 1. Romans 14 and 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith. You see that? 
but not to disputes over doubtful things. TPT. Offer an open hand of fellowship to welcome every true believer, even true believer, true believer, even though their faith may be weak and immature. True believer. Weak faith, immature faith, and refuse to engage in debates with them concerning nothing more than heresies. So there are true believers that are weak in faith. They just haven't been fed the full counsel of God. So you must be patient with them. And that's why when you learn that, it's part of discerning the Lord's body. You cannot come and be superimposing your liberty and knowledge upon everybody. You forget that you were once blank and ignorant and repugnant like the person now that you can't stand. Light speaks for darkness. You can't forget that even you once upon a time, not so long ago, so long ago, you knew nothing. So you can't be all puffed up and then you're talking and people are speaking and you're sneering and you're chiding. <laughs> oh no, that's not what it says. You can't do that. It's the Lord's body. You smile. You say, yeah, I understand. I understand. I get it. It's okay. It makes sense. You don't have to attack. When it's not an unbeliever you're trying to, to speak the gospel to. It's a believer who has pitched themselves against you. And because their faith is weak, they have no problem fighting with you. But every spot needs air and opponent. If I don't give you myself to fight with, you have no fight. You have no fight. You have no fight. They are believers who are weak in faith. And your place is not to now shove your perceived strength in their face. You now go to a, a meeting because you think it's a religious meeting. You can't connect, you can't flow. Somebody can speak for two hours and three lines were consistent. You jump up and receive it. That's maturity. You come here speaking and then you see so many sounds. It's scriptural. Even somebody who is intentionally malicious with scripture because it's scripture he's handling enters truth every now and then. <laughs> Just because it's scripture. Just because it's the Bible and not the Quran. <laughs> it's so beautiful. He came with an intention to hoodwink you. He came with an intention to feed you lies. Doctrine of devils. But every now and then he will call something. And you'll be like, yes, Lord. Because it's consistent with scripture. You can't refuse to be blessed. Because now only you know. Those of you that go out with me can confirm if you're standing next to me. Somebody speaking, I'm like, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's right. Somebody starts to sing, I'm like, oh, woo, okay, that one. I'm so open. And I'm like, no, not that one. Oh, come on. Not that one. But Lord, help him. Help him, Lord Jesus. Yeah, that one. Yeah, did you guys hear that? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she sang? Oh, yeah, that's it. Every time. All the outdoor events that we have gone. If you stand with me. Yeah. For the sake of my people, I would say, no, that was not right. This is what scripture says. Because I don't want you to go home and start to remember what you should forget. No. I don't want you to go home and remember what's right there. To my people. Not to the congregation that gathered. To my people, I'll tell you, no, no, that's not right. Scripture says this, and that, and that, and that. But even while I'm explaining to you, we hear something like, yeah, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Anybody who handles truth long enough to tell a lie 
will find himself saying some truth. Yes, 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 sir, yes, sir. So he must stay open and understand some believers are weak in faith. Romans 14, 13 to 17. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve not to put a stumbling block or cause or a cause to fall in our brother's way. That verse again. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or cause a cause to fall in our brother's way. There's nothing about what your perceived liberty brings you into that should become a curse to somebody who is weak in faith. Yes, now, in previous parts, I've dealt with this extensively, yes, so I'm not, I will not focus on it too much right now. But it's clear from the scriptures that you know something doesn't mean you should shove it down the throat of somebody who doesn't. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. You go somewhere, you insist. I will not cover my hair. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. The love sin and death. And my pastor said I should stop only refuse. You are lying. That's you handling the word of God deceitfully. So I should stop only refuse. I've been free. You can't bind me. You have bound yourself. Because as a light, you will never be able to shine. You and your liberty. Lights you never. I'm not telling you compromise. I'm telling you be led by the Spirit and walk for the edification of your brother. Strive for the edification of your brother. Strive. Ensure. Ensure that you're not causing them to stumble. Argue with them. Oh, you're sitting here. You're sitting here eating oil. We we were eating it. I'm going for communion services. You don't know that you're the body. See, in that communion service where they will eat Ribina and bread, one scripture will be read that is true. One scripture will be read that is true. And that is enough to be a seed that the Holy Spirit will capitalize on in the life of somebody and bring light to them. So discern the Lord's body. 14, when... Um, yeah, 14. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Somebody looks at your hair and goes, you know what, there's no way your blue hair is righteous. Okay, no problem. I, I appreciate I appreciate your position. What can I do to change your mind? What can I do to give me a foot in the door? What can I do to, to, to earn your attention? If I went and changed and came back the way you wanted, would it give me your attention for a few minutes? Yes, I'll be right back. That's for you discerning the Lord's body. Is my, my, my neck chain or my leg chain a problem? If I yanked it off, can we talk for 10 minutes? Your show is a problem to you? You talk to the person. You win them, they become strong in the faith. Together, both of you will go to the market and buy the beads. And, and they will tell you, they will tell you, my sister, don't worry, I'll pay. And both of you will go out and go and look for somebody else to preach the gospel to. That's when we are discerning the Lord's body. No, 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 I mean, I'm free. There's, there's no judgment here. You can't, you can't. No. Discern. Not everybody is against what you're doing because they don't like you. Some people just don't understand. That's what has given me staying power. And endurance in the gospel. You must not always assume that everybody is your enemy. Believe the best. There are people that are attacking me. 
Because they just don't have any understanding of my gospel. And they have not taken time to learn. But if you sat down and learned and looked at it from the scriptures, it's like what I just dealt on on baptism. You can argue, if you sit down with the scriptures and let the scriptures take you on a journey, you realize that you can just hate the messenger because you want to have a scapegoat. Not because you are faulting the message. And so that's why, if you know me in this city, any event I feel like going, I will go. You just see me. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't need your chair. I will stand. Enjoy myself when I'm gone. gone. Whatever you feel is your business. Because I don't have an enemy. Even those who have made me theirs, I'm not their enemy. I believe that you're just fighting because you don't know it. Is that, is that not what happened to the guy that brought us the gospel? Yes. Saul, who is also called Paul. Yes. Fighting passionately the enemies of God. So don't look at it as if people, everybody hates you. It's not possible. Give them the benefit of doubt. And find out what, what it will take to get a foot in the door. To get access. If it's your hair, leave it at home. All that is the issue in your house with your family is the color of your hair. Take it off. Sit with them. Get access. Show them from the scriptures. And they see the liberty that you enjoy. They are fighting your liberty because they are bound. And once they see it, all is good. And you have won a brother. That's when you're discerning the Lord's body. 15. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. You insist. You see why I said that your liberty ends where somebody's stumbling begins? Somebody came in, I'm free, I'm free. That's why I said nobody will ever max their liberty. Enjoy it, but don't try to max it. You injure yourself and somebody else. Because all of us is together that we are members of a body. Together we are so much. Together. So we all must carry each other along, both those weak in faith and those strong in faith. Everybody in what abiding house believes that they are saved and they are eternally saved and they are not trying to do anything to attach or to add to their salvation or to uphold their salvation. But not everybody will go and pierce their nose and put a ring on it. And somebody else is heavily grounded in the word. Heavily. And is not considering nose piercing as anything. Somebody here doesn't know anything beyond John 3, 16 and 7, 5, 21. But shut their nose is pierced. Don't tell me anything. Don't preach any gospel to me. I just like the idea of a nose in my ring. We'll work out the doctrine later. And they are both sons of God. Both integral parts of the one body. Somebody loves Jesus, knows that there is nothing unclean in and of itself and just doesn't like the feeling of earrings in their ear. They don't like it. It just makes them feel uncomfortable and it makes their earlobes feel very tender and stuff. You know, look at them and say, ah, hey, you're not, you're not here. You're not very earring. Are you, I, I used to be for me like you're from that church. Are you following me now? Is this practical enough for you? Yeah. I wore a wedding ring. It had to be burnt out of my finger because it ate every metal I wore, ate into my skin and rotted it. Titanium, palladium, rose gold, gold, gold-plated, silver, nickel, nothing worked. And if I was playing a bass or playing a guitar and any static happened, it will send electric shocks, proper electrocution into my system. I've been shocked proper 
and it was my ring conducting it. And because it shocks you, it eats out at the flesh and the ring sinks into it. I woke up after the last one. I asked myself, I asked myself, first of all, the Bible did not send me. Secondly, the person I'm married to knows I'm married to her. Number three, I cannot come and kill myself. So if it's for you, ring. Ah, then we'll, the marriage of Jabaru. I cannot kill myself. It's a alive man that can do marriage. So you cannot look and say, what kind of married man is not wearing a ring? What, what do you know ring is? Ring is a what? As, as, as the ring does not have a break, so also your... Oh, come on. Why are we so cheesy? Kai! Kai! Can you hear yourself? This is what you are predicating your whole marriage. As a ring is round and does not have a break, so your... How about how Christ loved the church? And gave himself for it. Doesn't that carry more weight? Because that's philosophy inside your marriage. That's philosophy. That's somebody's philosophy. Somebody's opinion. Inside marriage. That's how the church borrows things from the world. You have, you have, the, you have the tokens. We are marrying. You are asking for tokens. We are the substance, sir. 15 places that's to do and, and go home. <laughs> Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with food the one for whom Christ died. And we can replace food with anything that is a variable. 16. Let's get out of here. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Young people, are you hearing? Oh, I'm fighting with my father. My father, because I, my, my, my ripped jeans. They, I love Jesus, me. Jesus loves me. I'm a loud voice for the kingdom. I am not a big fan of ripped jeans. Me. Me. Me like this. Me. You can't say I don't know what I'm saying in this gospel. Ripped jeans with carrot pants. If I say I wore it, I saw my laugh. I said, hey! See my tie, oh! My tie is outside! And I haven't worn those jeans more than maybe once or twice. It took me every iota of courage. I'm actually a very, very heavy conservatist. But it's not my opinion over someone's. Each one to his own. And the level to which the Holy Spirit will convict you on account of a particular occasion, he will. Look at this one. Look at this one. Look at what they're wearing. So people are deep enough in God to go naked. In God. They are that secure. But if... um, Amen? If there are some bros around who cannot see Jesus anymore. So at that point, your lusciousness has become the object of focus. Not for you, but for a brother who is weak in the faith. So on account of that, you're mindful. So you don't cause your brother to stumble. If you do, the moment you get there, you're no longer walking in love. You can't champion your own liberty at the expense of somebody else's stumbling because they are weak in faith. And it's not always their fault that they are weak in faith. Yeah, it's not always their fault. 
So there was a fault. Somebody spoke to them, handed over whatever version of the gospel they heard, and they believed it. Invited you to the church, they went to the church, and that began their journey. And they're not complete, they're not walking the fullness of the utterance gift or the charismatic gift. And they don't even know. I mean, imagine those guys say, we're not even so much as heard as a ho- that is the Holy Spirit. So you can't be judgmental in discerning the Lord's body. Is this helping anybody? You can't. Denominations all, all over the place. People, there are people that have weak in faith. It's just what it is. So it's okay for people to think that you're weird and you're silly and you're unsaved. It's not okay for you who walk in discernment of the body to see them the same. We don't perceive ourselves like the world perceives us. By the time you learn this, you'll be the sweetest tasting, sweetest smelling local church. Because all you will have for anybody is love. All you have is love. Wherever you go, if you're invited somewhere, you're there, you're smiling. As you're hearing stuff, you're praying that, Father, light will hit this place. The light I've come into will hit this place. The light I've come into will hit this place. When they say something like, yes, Lord, that's a seed right there. That's true. How was the meeting? Oh, it was great. I had a great time. It was interesting. You picked a couple of things, but it was great. Praying for you guys. You know, where this day in your face. You won't even have disdain in your heart. How much less for people in your own same local assembly. Don't do that. We are one body. Amen. Have you learned anything so far? Let's give God praise. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.